What's up, guys? Max here back with another episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. Today's episode is going to be out of control. Huge. We have a gigantic episode for you guys today. I want to welcome everybody to the chat. Uh, Ed F. Peta Eviana Nuggets John. Uh, let's see. We got Eric S. Eric McBride. Justin. We've got Larry in the house. Everybody, if I missed you, I apologize. Trying to go through the list there. Welcome, everybody, to the chat. I hope you guys like the music that we are starting to show off with now. Alex, what's up? So uh, it's just a little cool way to start the show so you guys know that I'm here. You're not just watching the waiting room. We can rock out together to some music. Uh, thanks to Stream Beats, which is a free music list of songs created for streamers to use for free without uh, worrying about copyright or anything like that. So... Um, Let's see. A true TOT. Yeah, I know. I, I noticed a little bit of it. As soon as my clock here says 1000, which is 1800 Pacific, I hit go. And there's a little bit of a delay for uh, YouTube, probably 20 second delay that we're on here. So there are a ton of stories about Afghanistan to get to. There are stories out of the Marine Corps, stories out of the Olympics. We've got a lot of stuff to go over today. I did say I had a huge announcement and, uh, and let's get right to that. There's actually two huge announcements today. One now and one at the end of the episode. So make sure you guys stick around for the entire episode today. I know you're going to, but especially make sure you do today because we have a second huge announcement at the end of the episode. But first off, let me hit you guys with the about yesterday. So if you guys saw, I posted a video this morning, which are some of my more complete thoughts on Stuart Scheller, the Marine Lieutenant Colonel, who is making a stand against the, the system, against the man, whatever you want to call it, and why I think that he's wrong. The more I think about it, the more I think that he's, you know, making a, a huge mistake with the way, not with what his position is, but with the way he's going about it. And if you guys had a chance to watch that video, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. You can drop those in the comments or you can leave me a comment on that video and share that video and, you know, the whole deal. Quick update on that, by the way. As always, I'm telling you guys to follow, to use your LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great asset that I feel like a lot of veterans are not using. This is straight from Stuart Scheller's LinkedIn post where he's doing most of his updates. It says, General Berger, sir, I understand you want to court-martial me. Your entire staff has already told me. All the captains you spoke to today already texted me. You recently banned all unit social media pages so that you could centralize the message because I'm assuming you think Marine leaders aren't capable of passing a message in line with your intent. Your problem right now is that I am moving faster than you. I am outmaneuvering you. Where can we find this philosophy dot, 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 C4? So, you know, he's... He's kind of going full J. I said, you want a Jason Bourne? This is how you get a Jason Bourne. He's already moved out into the woods. He's taken on the system. He's using threatening language, uh, talking about outmaneuvering the generals and all this stuff. So what, whatever's going to happen with Stuart Scheller, we're going to keep talking about it on this show because I'm kind of a little bit, you know, psychologically invested into this. I'm kind of curious what's going to happen here. If you guys are as well, let me know. I'd love to hear if you guys, this is a story you guys want me to keep following because I think that it's pretty intense and, uh, and we'll see. Although in my opinion, it's going to end up being probably a flash in the pan, um, of the, of the big picture, the bigger picture, the global spectrum of, uh, influence in the military, it, he's not going to probably bring down the system, but that's what he says he's going to do. So we're going to follow along, especially if you, that's something you guys are interested in. I'm just interested in it personally. Now, the first big announcement, um, I've been debating whether or not to tell you guys this. I know I've been talking to you guys about being sick. I've been sick for the last uh, last two weeks or so. Uh, I had COVID. Um, that's, the, that's the first big announcement. I had COVID um, full on. Like I had full on COVID. Um, I'm fully vaccinated, but I got it. Uh, I quit to quarantine for two weeks. That quarantine is over. I'm doing better now. I, I was even in the, I even had to go to the, to the doctor, um, at one point because I was so sick. 
um, having difficulty breathing with my lungs. They did a chest x-ray and, uh, and found that my lungs were a little bit, had the, the COVID lung going on, the, the fuzziness in the x-ray, um, which hopefully will clear up, should clear up on its own. Just um, basically a, a severe respiratory uh, infection. Um, I'm, I'm not in theory contagious anymore. The period of time has passed. I completely lost my sense of smell and, uh, and taste. It was so weird. It was so weird. I don't know if you guys have had COVID, but I completely lost my sense of smell hundred percent. So yet last week when we missed a couple episodes, uh, it was because I was just really unable to even talk. I was coughing so much, trying to exercise and move around each day. I didn't leave the house for two weeks. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, so I had it. Um, I had it, I got it. It's okay. I'm doing better now. I'm, I'm, I'm able to speak well enough to get through an episode. So, uh, so I'm hanging in there. Um, that's the first announcement. So you guys might've been wondering, I was sick. I was talking about being sick. You guys probably heard me coughing. I have this horrible cough still. Um, it's link, it's the lingering effects. I'm slowly, my, my sense of smell is really dull. My sense of taste is really dull. Um, it's, uh, it's just, you know, it is what it is. It slowed me down a little bit from getting a couple things done. I know it sounds like I had nothing but time to get things done, but actually just being sick with, uh, with it kind of, like I was kind of being lazy, uh, watched a lot of TV, slept a lot, um, took a lot of medicines and, uh, and now I just feel basically fat, lazy and slow and bad and everything. So, uh, just trying to get back to it this week. This week is like the recovery week. Um, hopefully next week I'll be full hundred percent functioning, everything like that, but we're okay. Um, I want to especially thank everyone out there who supported our family during this time. We had a lot of people coming by the house to bring food and groceries and help us with things that we needed, um, while we had to kind of isolate, but it's all good now. So, uh, so if you guys are out there, I just would say, I'm not going to, I'm not telling you guys what to do anything like that with your lives and with COVID and everything like that. But, uh, you know, I know you, I, I've, I've always said, I've never said anything except for, I think COVID serious. I don't want to get COVID vaccinated, all that stuff, but just anecdotally, uh, even being vaccinated, it was still no joke. I still got really sick. So, uh, I hope you guys aren't, um, putting yourselves in any unnecessary risk. I would say, don't go out there and put yourself in any unnecessary harm. Don't subject yourself to any unnecessary risk. Be good to each other, respect each other, all that stuff. Um, and, uh, and yeah. So thank you guys for all the support. Let's see. Justin said spicy ramen gave me COVID. I'm glad I did that before I got it. Um, let's see. Let's see. Well, I hope for a full recovery. Get well soon. Mudrock, thank you very much. Bloody hell. Good to hear you're getting better. Alex, thank you very much. Uh, get some hauls on that. Thank you, Nuggets. Yep, I was taking some some hauls for sure. You don't even want to eat because it's not fun anymore. But for me, I list a crap ton, lost a crap ton of weight. Yeah, I was, I was still hungry. I still had an appetite. I was still eating, but just I was smelling like kimchi had no smell. I opened up a bottle of whiskey, no smell. I took a big, a big inhale, nothing, no smell at all whatsoever. So I'm feeling better now. I'm just getting over the, uh, I'm just getting over the secondary effects. So I'm glad I was vaccinated. I mean, I don't know how much worse it could have been if I wasn't vaccinated at all, but, uh, I'm fully vaccinated, still got it. So, um, just so you guys have some anecdotal, uh, stories out there about it. I'm, I'm doing better now. So thank you guys. We're on the path to recovery and, uh, and we'll be back. Hopefully hundred percent next week is the plan. That was the first announcement. Stick around to the end of the show, uh, for the second announcement, which is going to affect tomorrow's episode. 
and I want to get to the first story of today. Do we have to quarantine now that Max has exposed us all? Yeah, if you guys have been on the receiving end of my voice on YouTube here, you have been exposed to more stupidity than COVID, so don't even worry about it. <laughs> um, we do have a crazy show today. We have an insane show. We have coughing a lot. Yeah, Eviana, coughing a lot. So if I've been slow to reply to you guys, slow to get things done for you guys, that's the reason. And uh, and I'm, get, I'm getting back into it now. So let's see. We've got a bunch of so many stories to go over today. So I've got tabs on top of tabs over here. Headline story is a service member getting kicked out of the military for refusing to wear a mask. We're going to get to that near the end of the show. But right here, first story today that I want to get right into. No, the military did not leave its working dogs behind, the DOD says. So this is the MWDs, the military working dogs. So somebody posted this on my uh, stream yesterday, and I was stressed beyond belief. You guys see this picture that's been floating around social media, people saying that the military left military working dogs. I didn't hear that from any official sources ever. Somebody shared it here, and people were spreading it on social media, but this is not what we're seeing here. The military did not leave its working dogs behind, which made, I was like ready to cry. I mean, you guys know I've talked about military working dogs on the show before and how we rescued a dog in Afghanistan when I was deployed there in 2013, a dog that's now living in Okinawa, Japan, living its best life. And when I heard this, I just couldn't imagine a world in which the military working dog handlers would leave their dogs behind. It would never happen. It, they would die. They would stay out there and die before they did that. It would just never happen. So here's the truth, uh, according to Military Times. The Pentagon is pushing back after a widely circulated photo of caged working dogs in an aircraft hangar at Hamid Karzai International Airport led social media purveyors to believe the U.S. had left behind military working dogs. The Pentagon said no military working dogs were left in Afghanistan as America troops withdrew from Afghanistan August 31st. So to correct the erroneous reports, the U.S. military did not leave any dogs at Hamid Karzai International Airport to include the reported military working dogs. Eric Pahan, a Defense Department spokesman, wrote in an email to Military Times. So it goes on to say about how important it is to, you know, the military working dogs are, how much money is invested in them, how important they are to the trainers and how they would never be taken uh, or never be left behind. But what they did say, the photos circulating online were animals under the care of the Kabul Small Animal Rescue, he said. Despite an ongoing complicated and dangerous retrograde mission, U.S. forces went to great lengths to assist the Kabul Small Animal Rescue as much as possible. Though the KSAR raised funds to secure a charter flight to take the dogs to safety, no plane ever touched down. So this is still uh, extremely depressing because I don't know if you guys know, I was talking about this maybe yesterday on the show that animal abuse is a major problem with the, with Afghanis and not just the Taliban, but Afghanis in general, they'll torture these animals. They'll beat them, cut them, chop them up, chop their tails off. I mean, I've seen this stuff with my own eyes. So it's hard to, I mean, honestly, it's hard to even talk about. I don't know what it is about animal abuse. That's borderline worse than seeing it happen to people because the animals don't even know why it's happening. They don't understand, you know, and dogs, especially who just love people are, I can't even say it. I can't even think about it. So one of the contracting companies identified as having dogs on the ground is Garda World, though it did not specify the number of dogs Garda World has in Kabul. Its media relations team said it was working with KSR to bring them all home safely. Kabul Small Animal Rescue did not immediately respond to requests for a comment from Military Times. So we can just hope that, uh, that, those dogs just are get out of those crates and just have a chance, you know, just get out of those crates and have a chance. It is, uh, it is heartbreaking. 
heartbreaking. Oh, it's killing me just saying it right now, honestly. I really don't like it. Justin, it was me, bro. I even saw so many active duty sharing in today. Sorry for the bad gouge. No, it's okay. It was good gouge. We had to find out the facts, right? It was good gouge. There was a story going on. We had to find out the, the facts. So there we go. Um, let's see. Glad it's not true. Me too. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Totally. Hundreds of civilians. Ray, Ray, welcome to the chat. Hundreds of civilians left behind. Yeah, I don't know what I think about that. It's hard to say if every one of those American citizens in Afghanistan even wants to leave. You know, I don't know what the story is with every single one of those American citizens. I'm sure some of them are stuck uh, and it's not a good situation. Um, I'm in the mood to rip someone in half now hearing this. I want to rip two people in half, Nugget says. Hey, uh, it's bad. I'm not going to lie to you guys. The, the animal stuff is bad. It hurts me. De- it cuts me deeply. And, um, you know, just like, just for one positive story, like I've told you guys, if you're new here, if you haven't heard this story before, there, what's up, Ika? Uh, there it was a dog in Afghanistan that we kind of adopted in, in our base and that we raised money and paid for that dog to get its shots. It had to go through a little quarantine period and that dog was adopted by a Green Beret and now lives a great American life. And, uh, and that's a positive story. So that dog is living its best life. And so that's one dog that we got out, but I've seen dogs uh, just meet. It's not good. It's just not good. I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's breaking my heart. Uh, if you're new here, make sure you guys smash the subscribe button with notifications on so you don't miss all the videos when we go live. We do the daily live show. All the links to ways to support the channel are in the description down below. If you guys want one of the best ways to support the channel now is to just share the videos and invite people to the chat, invite people to come watch the show and keep helping the channel grow. Thank you all very much for your continuing support. It means a lot to me. Speak, and we're still going to continue to speak about Afghanistan, but it's now a mission of taking care of the people, the Americans and the Afghanis who are um, now dealing with the redeployment slash repatriatization of, uh, from one country to another or just back to the United States. So we have the 13 Marines who were killed, the, the, 12, the 11 Marines, a sailor and a soldier who were killed in Kabul. But what about those who were injured? We're here. We've got their back. U.S. service members injured in Kabul blast on road to recovery. So the update to this about the 20 service members who were injured in the terrorist attack last week in Afghanistan is that all of them are back in the United States. They were first brought to Germany, the hospital in Landstuhl, where I have been. I had to have surgery in Landstuhl, actually, at the end of my deployment to Afghanistan in 2009 uh, due to a, a hernia that were my intestines had come out of my stomach, basically. Um TMI maybe warning, TMI warning. Uh, So I had to get flown to Germany for surgery to repair that hernia before it got too serious and started causing me serious medical issues. So I got to go to Landstuhl. I was treated there at the hospital. I spent days at the MWR base. I got to meet some celebrities who were on a USO tour, including Billy Ray Cyrus and uh, was it Anna Kornikova, the, the, um, the tennis player and some other people. So the mom from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, and Dave Attell, the comedian, we all, all came through there. So we, uh, we have an update here. The doctors and nurses at Launchville Regional Medical Center, the U.S. military's largest hospital overseas, stabilized the patients, many of whom arrived in critical condition. So they were definitely badly injured with a range of shrapnel and gunshot wounds. The last group to be medically evacuated to Walter Reed National Medical Military Medical Center in Bethesda left on Monday. So everybody's out of there. Every single service member that received care here left our facility in much better condition than when they arrived, said Colonel Andrew Landers. Whether they make a full recovery depends on what happens over the next four to six weeks in their treatment and recovery process. So there were, it does say 
that there were gunshot injuries as well as blast injuries that caused the damage to the uh, service members who were over there. Lonstool also treated about a dozen Afghan evacuees who were injured in a Kabul airport attack and medically evacuated. Most of them are still receiving care at the hospital. What will happen to them is probably going to be decided later. Landers did not share personal details about the injured, but officials said the U.S. military members are young, similar to the demographics of the personnel killed, whose ages range from 20 to 31. A few women are among the injured. Some had gunshot wounds, said Colonel Peter Kim, an Air Force physician and chief medical officer. There were reports of gunfire during an attack in which a suicide bomber detonated explosives near a checkpoint manned by U.S. military personnel. Shout out to the people over there at Launchstool. I've known people who deployed there on... um, from the Navy, it is an it is an Air Force and Army run hospital. The doctors there are from the Air Force and the Army. There are Navy people who do go on deployment there, but it's mainly run by those branches as well as the medics are from the Air Force and the Army. Uh, when I was there, it was a very positive experience. Not only just the treatment and the facilities, but also getting to meet people who were coming off the battlefield who were gunshot blast victims, um, TBI, and seeing them get good care from the staff at launch tool as well. And that the, uh, and I want to just say a shout out to the MWR facilities over there who made the stay as nice as possible, giving everybody something to do, making sure hot cookies were out. It was Christmas when I was over there, um, which was a sad time to be away from friends and family. A lot of people were on extended stays in launch tool for weeks or maybe a month, um, or longer before they could get transported. I've known people who, took their last breath at Launchstool, who were killed overseas, and they were flown, evacuated to Launchstool, which is the highest level of care off the battlefield. It's the first stop of highest level care off the battlefield that most service members make when they're injured in Iraq or Afghanistan or Kuwait or Syria or anything like that, Yemen, wherever people are operating at. And so once you make it to Launchstool, your chances of survival go up exponentially, but for some, it's still too late, and, uh, and there are many heroic medical team members over there at launch tool putting in good work and have been for a long time to make sure Americans are and other coalition forces too. And civilians are getting the best care, the best treatment possible, the best chances of survival and recovery. So shout out to them. Um, Larry says lift with your back. Yeah. Or just don't lift more than you, uh, don't lift outside of your pocket as far as what you should be lifting. Glad we got those guys safe out there with no extra numbers. It makes me glad that we were able to save them. Mad that we don't prevent the attack. Have you watched Megan Levy? No, I don't watch Megan Levy. Um, who is that? Who is Megan Levy? <clears throat> Maybe I, should I know who that is? Is it embarrassing that I don't know who that is? Hunter Jones, what's up? Welcome to the chat. Nice to have you here. Um, so we've got, a, so a few more stories. Another thing that we were seeing yesterday out of Afghanistan is the uh, helicopter that was dangling a body from it. That was, the reports were saying that they were, Ryan Stone, my first time being here for the live stream. Welcome, it's great to have you here, Ryan, and Hunter as well. Welcome to the chat, it's nice to see you guys. Um, We saw the Blackhawk helicopter dangling a body off of the bottom of it that the official reports, not the official reports, but officials who were posting that said that that person was being hung, executed off the bottom of a Blackhawk. And then we saw um, another Video, I don't know if you guys saw it, but another video of the Taliban walking in to inspect uh, helicopters left behind by Americans. We have an update on the gear left behind by Americans from, uh, from the official sources, which are U.S. military says troops disabled equipment before abandoning it at Kabul airport. So we've got helicopters 
trucks. We've got tons of stuff left behind, but it says that the military made it non-military capable. U.S. troops disabled 170 vehicles, aircraft, and weapon systems that they abandoned Monday at the Kabul airport before the remaining American service members in Afghanistan boarded the last flights out of the country, the top U.S. commander in the region said, for what that's worth anymore. 70 mine-resistant ambush-protected vehicles, MRAPs, 27 Humvees and 73 aircraft were demilitarized by the U.S. at Hamid Karzai International Airport before they left Kabul for the last time, said Marine General Frank McKenzie, commander of U.S. CENTCOM. What does demilitarized mean? Well, let's say for a helicopter, I can definitely talk about a helicopter. Um, They could just take out the flight computer. They take out the flight computer and the thing's completely useless. There's just no way to use it. And you're not going to get another flight computer very easily. They could take, they could have cut wires. If they just cut some cable bundles, then it would be almost impossible for somebody without training and documentation to repair those. Same with vehicles. There's, you can just remove one thing. Same with weapons. You take out the firing pin, you remove one key component from a weapon, the bolt group, something like that. And it's just a shell. It's not, it's not a useful weapon. Take the spring out of a magazine, things like that. It's uh, or just damage it somehow. So you, uh, there are a lot of ways that you can disable a piece of equipment to make it unusable. But if you leave enough of it behind and the Taliban being resourceful as they are, as well as financially backed, they could probably black market, get some of this stuff up and running again, and some definitely not. The aircraft especially, there are so many ways that they could permanently down these aircraft with parts and damage that it would require basically an entire new aircraft of parts to get it up and running again. So I don't think that we have to worry too much about a fleet of MRAPs and Blackhawks storming through Afghanistan as if this story is true. McKenzie says, they'll never be able to be operated anymore. Most of them were non-mission capable to begin with. What are you talking about? Why were they there then? McKenzie did not say what kind of aircraft were among the 73 left behind at the airport, but I did see videos of Blackhawks. Most of those evacuation flights took place after August 14th when thousands of U.S. troops deployed to the Kabul airport to ramp up withdrawal efforts as the Taliban closed in on the city. In the first hours after the U.S. left the airport, Taliban fighters entered a hangar formerly under U.S. control to examine abandoned equipment, including four Chinooks, according to a video posted to Twitter by Los Angeles Times reporter Nabib Bulos. We're here right now with Taliban as they enter into what was only minutes ago an American-controlled portion of the airport, and now they've taken over. I saw that video. Very eerie to watch. McKenzie said the U.S. also made counter-rocket artillery and mortar systems at the airport inoperable, but waited up until the very last minute to do so. You guys might have seen that photo of the of a major general, a two-star general, being the last American to leave Afghanistan as he boarded the C-130 or C-17 that took him off the uh, ground. I don't know, maybe he was the last one to go flip the switch to make the C-RAMs inoperable. It's a complex procedure and time-intensive procedure to break down those systems, the general said, but we demilitarize those systems so it'll never be used again. Which is a bold statement to make because if they ever do get used again, it's just going to be one more black eye on the on the image of military leadership that has had a number done on it recently. And uh, and I hope for General McKenzie's sake and the um, and the rest of the military that they're right about at least one thing as the American draw American drawdown from Afghanistan hit just crisis levels and uh, and to really damage the reputation of military leadership. I mean. Is it time for, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but is it really time to look at moving some personnel around in, in the senior military leadership of the government? Wherever Lloyd Austin goes, ISIS wins, and that's uh, not something that can be let, st- let continue to happen, I don't think. Um, 
Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Hope we got all of them, them demilitarized or as many as possible. Somebody's favorite movie was Scarface. Have you read, heard about Operation Pineapple Express? I believe that was the name. Are you talking, is that the one with uh, Tim Kennedy getting people out of Afghanistan on his own, working for the, some congressman or something like that? What's up, Harry Lime Pie? Sorry I'm late. No worries at all. Totally fine. Excuse me while I clear my throat. Um, I'm just glad everyone's here having a good time. So with all this bad news out of the uh, military in the in Afghanistan and the way people have been reacting, Vice posted a great video of Marines reuniting uh, who were part of the deadliest deployment any one unit had to Afghanistan in Sangin province. A guy I know through a program at um, through WeWork, Veterans and Residents, Marcus Chisili, was on there. He lost a leg in Afghanistan and went on to advocate for veterans, run races. He's an all-around hero. They were talking about how sad they are to see what's happening in Afghanistan. And one of the people in that video, if you guys want to watch that video, just go find Vice News and check it out. You'll figure out which one that is. If you guys want to see more about it, go ahead. Um, after this show is over, of course, don't leave the Scuttlebutt Show, the greatest military YouTube program online. He said on there, one of the people on there said that there will be veteran suicides as a result of the drawdown, the way that it happened in Afghanistan. I hope that that's not true, but my gut instinct, as well as things that we're seeing as far as numbers go, reflect that he might be right. So here's a story about that. Veterans Crisis Line sees significant increase in texts from veterans since Afghanistan evacuations. This is not good. So just so you guys know, in the description of all my videos, there is also the, uh, the contact info and link to the Veterans Crisis Line. If you guys need to text, call, or go to that website, it's always in the description of my videos. Um, the veteran, we've, cover, we've also covered stories about a veteran who called the Veterans Crisis Hotline twice in one night, only to be found dead of suicide the next morning, which is horrible tragedy. And you guys can find that video, 1-800-F-OFF. Uh, you can find that video. It's from a few months ago. Um, the just sad stuff going on. The crisis hotline for veterans experienced a 98% increase in the number of texts that it received during the last two weeks of August compared to the same two weeks of last year. A 90, it's doubled. Calls to the veterans crisis line increased 7% and online chats increased nearly, nearly 40% during the same time period from August 13th to the 29th. Department of Veteran Affairs officials attribute the increase to multiple factors, including the withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan and the upcoming 20th anniversary of 9-11. VA officials also said there's an increased awareness of the hotline since last year, and there's not as much stigma about utilizing the resource. So that's good. I guess on, on that hand, it's good that people are calling because they're seeking help, but it's bad that the amount of people seeking help have doubled. The more we can do to normalize discussions about crisis and suicide, that increases our call volume, said Lisa Kearney. She's the director of the Veterans Crisis Line. We're reaching more people to get them care and support, so I'm thankful for it, and hopefully they learn from their mistakes as well. The U.S. military ended its withdrawal Monday, as we know. Matthew Miller, the national director of the VA Suicide Prevention Program, said he's received numerous questions about how the withdrawal is affecting the mental well-being of Afghanistan war veterans. The increase in calls and texts to the hotline helps to reveal some of those effects. He says, I think it's really hard to speak for veterans as a whole because the veterans are an extremely diverse group. The hotline gives a small sample but a meaningful look at what's occurring within the veteran population. The VA compared the number of calls, chats, and texts to the same time period last year rather than earlier in 2021 because usage increased or decreased depending on time of the year, August, September, and October are the hotline's busiest months. It's that fiscal year. 
The VA does not ask veterans for demographic information, so it's not clear how many texture calls have been initiated by Afghanistan war veterans. However, veterans ages 18 to 34 are more inclined to use chat or text rather than calling the hotline, he says. And, uh, and they go on to say how they're supporting the people who are calling. So Regal in the chat says, who among those who went to Afghanistan is surprised by any of this? And uh, that's what I've been saying. Nobody is. Nobody who served boots on ground, if they're being honest, is surprised by any of this. That's what I've been saying the entire time, and I stand by that for sure. It's, uh, it's not shocking. It's not surprising. Ryan says, I think it was a rogue unit, one of veterans that went to Afghanistan to save soldiers, Afghan civilians. Yeah, I've read a little bit about it. I need to find out more information when there's a kind of more complete picture of what happened, because I know right now a lot of people are saying a lot of different things. Um, thanks, Ed. I appreciate the continuing support from Ed as well. Ed, good luck on your future in the military wherever you decide to go. Um, I've never called the VA crisis line myself, but if anybody out there feels the need to, I hope that they, you know, find the information easily and find that they don't have any barriers to getting the help that they need. It's a, it's a bad time within the military. And I don't know if everyone posting on YouTube and Twitter and, you know, TikTok and Instagram is helping or hurting with that. But I do know that Talking usually helps. Talking usually helps. What's up, Iron Lotus? So if you guys do need to talk, I'm available at the show gmail.com or on my social medias. I usually get back to people within a couple of days, um, a day or a couple of days. And you can try me. I don't know if I'm always the best person to talk to, but you can you can hit me up um, on the Discord as well. All the, all the stuff to find me is on the links in the description. But I hope you have somebody out there that you find to be a trusted confidant, mentor, whatever it is, and you can go have an honest conversation with somebody who will tell you the truth too. It's important that the person that you're talking to is somebody that you believe will tell you the truth and not just tell you what you want to hear. Eviana, a $10 super chat, some care package money for you. Hydrate a lot, get lots of rest and take vitamin D daily. Feel better soon. Going to bed now, must wake up at 04. Eviana, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. And, uh, and hit me up on Instagram. I reply to you this morning if uh, if I can help with any of those questions that you had. I really appreciate it. Wow. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me, as do all of the super chats and supports. I will use that to get some uh, eucalyptus or something so I don't sound so bad for you guys on the on the audio end here. <clears throat> um, humbled. Always humbled by super chats. They just are amazing, and you guys are the best. Thank you. So if you, like I, like I was saying, if you or someone you know is having um, thoughts of, of depression, anxiety, self-harm, anything like that, please don't hesitate to reach out to somebody and just start talking because one thing you'll find is that you're not the only one. That's always true. Whatever you're going through, you're not the only one, okay? You're just, you're just never alone in your feelings. You might be alone physically. You might feel alone like the world's closing in on you, but you're never the only one going through whatever problem you're going through. So just talking about it, it can help you. And, you know, you might be surprised. It might help somebody else too. So maybe just by airing your problems, airing your, your, your thoughts, you could help somebody else and save another life as well. Not just your own, but somebody else's. So don't be afraid to, please. Talking helps. That's why I talk so openly on this show. Helps me, and I hope it helps you guys. So with all that, now, now comes the finger pointing. So with everything bad going on, with everyone being upset over Afghanistan, rightfully so, comes to finger pointing. And I'm not a fan of finger pointing unless that finger is pointed first at the people who are actually doing the damage, which is the Taliban and ISIS. That's where the finger needs to be pointed first. 
at the people actually doing the bad stuff. So whenever I think about this, I point the finger right at the enemy, okay? And doing anything less is cowardly. If you're not willing to point your finger at the enemy and say it's your fault, the suicide bomber, the IED emplacer, the HME maker, the people who fund these terror operations, it's their fault. It's their fault first. Every death, every victim, every bad thing going on, the first place to point the finger is at the enemy. Okay? That is who your site should be focused on. Could other things have been better and gone better and been improved upon? Yeah, of course that that's true too. I've got a story here. Let's talk about it. Retired military officers demand Austin and Millie resign over the handling of the military withdrawal. What do you guys think? Should they resign? A group of retired military officers are calling for the resignation of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Army General Mark Milley, who was in the news recently for his talking about uh, white rage in front of Congress and CRT and all this. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff over their handling of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. The conservative group flag officers for America orchestrated the letter signed by 87 officers that accuses Austin and Milley of failing to recommend against this dangerous withdrawal in the strongest possible terms that left 13 U.S. troops dead. Conversely, if they did everything within their ability to persuade the president to not hastily exit the country without ensuring the safety of our citizens and Afghans loyal to America, then they should have resigned in protest as a matter of conscience and public statement. Kind of like General Jim Mattis did. When Jim Mattis disagreed with President Trump, he resigned. And he said that resignation was the right thing to do if he thought he couldn't support the president anymore in the way the president saw fit. Bravo Zulu. Good on you. That's the right thing to do. So here we've got Lloyd Austin and General Milley sitting next to each other. I covered Lloyd Austin when he was nominated to be Secretary of Defense. He botched. He was lambasted in front of Congress for botching the American withdrawal from Iraq when he was still a general in the Army. What happened after he left? ISIS took over. What happened after Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin oversaw the withdrawal of America from Afghanistan? ISIS killed Americans, and the Taliban took over Afghanistan. Everywhere Lloyd Austin goes, things go wrong. Is it time to remove Lloyd Austin? Maybe. He's got a track record of this. We've talked about it in previous videos. We're talking about it now. I said hopefully it's something different. Hopefully he's not a yes man. Hopefully he doesn't fall into the same traps that we fell into in Iraq. And guess what? It happened exactly the same, exactly the same problems. So General Milley, I don't know that much about him except for that he's a Green Beret. So I find it hard to believe that he's got a problem with being liberal. I find it hard to believe that he's got a problem with not taking the military seriously or understanding the mission. But if he, you know... If he made these bad choices too, closing down Bagram, withdrawing all the Americans only to send in 10,000 days later, then I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe we do need to have that conversation. Just remember where you need to point the finger first at the actual people committing the crimes, the actual people targeting Americans and civilians. The withdrawal ended in Kabul just before midnight Tuesday, local time after U.S. and coalition forces evacuated more than 123,000 people from Afghanistan since late July. I know that I haven't seen the president's speech today, but I did see that he was touting it. I did see reports that he was touting it as a victory. I don't know how you can say that this was a victory. It was a miracle that we got out without more casualties and that we got 125,000 Afghanis out who deserve to get out. And it's 
Flag Office for America is the same organization that in May published a letter with 124 retired admirals and generals accusing Joe Biden of launching a full-blown assault on our Constitution rights in a dictatorial manner over his use of executive orders. So obviously it says they're a conservative group. They obviously don't like um, the president. And I've said before that the most dangerous thing that I see as far as, you know, influence over citizens when it comes to political stuff is when retired generals and admirals take to these issues and join up because it gives a lot of credibility to sometimes dangerous ideas. Although I don't necessarily see this as a dangerous idea. This is not a QAnon talking about election hacking, talking about secret CIA raids in Europe, whatever. We talked about that a few months ago. This is a more thoughtful, considerate piece, I guess. This There's some leg to stand on here, but uh, it just go, it just shows that this is obviously a political group. In its Monday letter, the group called the withdrawal disastrous and hasty, claiming the Americans and vulnerable Afghans left in Afghanistan after U.S. forces left Monday are now de facto hostages of the Taliban at this time, which is true. There's a lot of Americans stranded out there. There are a lot of Afghanis stranded out there. So what do you guys think? I'd love to hear in the comments. Should Lloyd Austin go? Should General Milley go? Is it time to make some changes in the staff at the White House? You tell me what you think. I'm saying maybe. Excuse me. I'm saying maybe. I'm saying it might be. People have bit lost their jobs for less. And I'm sure Stuart Scheller would say he thinks it definitely is. That's his whole thing. Let's see. Let's see. I actually disagree. The first place to point the finger is to look in the mirror. We are the people who put these efforts in charge. Um, no, I don't agree with that, Buford. I think that you should always look in the mirror, right? That is a great place to place blame is to take that, you know, accept complete accountability, personal accountability, for sure. People should be taking personal accountability. I, I said in my video, if you guys saw that this morning, talking about, um, talking about Stuart Scheller, that personal accountability is a massive thing that's lacking in the United States. It's a huge problem. People need to work on that a lot. That's why I love Jocko and everything that he says. He's all about that extreme ownership. And it's a great philosophy to live by. Absolutely. But if you have to, if... If somebody walks in and commits a shooting, if somebody shoots another person, people blame the gun, they blame the parents, they blame society. I blame the shooter at the end of the day, okay? If, if it wasn't for those people being, doing the bad things, they wouldn't happen, period. Top commanders get sacked for underperforming all the time. And meanwhile, they're laughing at us. The Taliban and ISIS are laughing at us while they bomb Americans and we point the finger at Joe Biden right? They're laughing all the way to the terrorist bank, all the way to Allah, all the way to, the, to their arms dealer. They're laughing at us. When, when we get attacked by terrorists, instead of blame, blaming the terrorists, we blame the president of the United States. It, that makes us the laughingstock. That's humiliating. We should be pointing the finger at the terrorists first in this whole thing, Okay. I feel like I did my part. I did everything I could do for Iraq and Afghanistan. I did my part. Three deployments, five deployments total, three to Iraq and Afghanistan, 18 months of my life in Afghanistan with the people over there. I went back and went back and went back, okay? But I could have done more. I could have done more. I could have stayed in touch with our interpreters. I could have spoken out more earlier, even though I've spoken out a lot. I accept some responsibility in what happened over there because I was over there. I'm part of I'm part of what I'm part of that mission over there. So are so many other people. 
Joe Biden was part of it twice. He was vice president. So every time he critiques what happened over the last 10 years, he's critiquing himself as vice president. He supported that administration and everything that Obama did over there. With the, where, where the drawdown really happened was under Obama. That's when the major drawdowns actually occurred. It wasn't this year, and it wasn't under Trump. It was under Obama, and it was right to do so. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it was the wrong thing to do. I'm saying getting out of Afghanistan was the right thing to do eventually because we, because we stopped fighting the war from a government perspective. I talk about this stuff all the time. But the first place the finger needs to be pointed is at the terrorists, and then you can go from there. We can look at everything that everyone did and every way it could have been done different. But at the end of the day, to not say that the terrorists are responsible for what's happening over there, the Taliban and ISIS, is cowardly, in my opinion. And anybody who's not starting there, anybody who's not starting with that is behaving cowardly. That's my opinion. You guys can do what you want with my opinion on that. That's the last story that we have today about Afghanistan. And I'd like to switch gears here really quick. You guys can tell me what you think in the comments. We've got uh, something kind of, it's going to be a little dramatic here. It's going to be a little dramatic. I know it's going to split the room, as it always does. As these things always do, as these things tend to do, we're going to split the room with this next story. But I'm kind of excited to get into it. Marine corporal discharged over refusal to wear a mask. So it's happening. They're kicking people out. What do you guys think about this? Drop me a comment. Marine Corporal Whitney McAfee refused to comply with a mask mandate and doesn't want to be vaccinated against COVID-19. A month after the Defense Department's mask mandate for unvaccinated troops went into effect, she was booted from the military, possibly making her the first service member to be forced out of the service for violating COVID-related rules. And she's making a little bit of a stink about it, probably rightfully so. I've got a video here. We're going to play it. That's This is Whitney, and she's going to talk about uh, what's going on with Josh Mandel, who I believe is running for Senate. So let's see what this is all about here. Hey guys, I met tonight Whitney and her mom, Donna. They're from Pemberville, outside of Bowling Green, Ohio. I'm enraged hearing what happened to Whitney. She's a fellow Marine. She just got kicked out of the Marine Corps because she refused to wear a mask and refused to take the vaccine. And her refusal was based on religious beliefs but they still kicked her out of the United States Marine Corps. Guys, if this is happening to Whitney, I'm sure it's happening all over the Marine Corps, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force. Her mom here, Donna, served in the Navy for over 28 years. We cannot allow this to happen. If you don't mind, Whitney, can you just tell everyone out there what happened to you? And Donna, if you wanna say a few words too. My leadership became aware of the fact that I was not wearing a mask and I was not going to receive the vaccine. Within a week's time, I was processed out. The paperwork took about four days. Yeah, and unfortunately that wasn't the way it began. And all I can say is, for Whitney anyway, is she is the most wonderful, devout woman I know. And um, she has an impeccable military record. She has letters of recommendation, letters of appreciation, numerous untold hours of volunteerism in the military. And they just threw her under the bus, just threw her under the bus. So that's kind of interesting. I'm First of all, she, she was kind of jacked. She was pretty buff. Uh, it's that Marine Corps way, I guess. And her mom served 28 years, but she was obviously going against orders. She had an order to wear a mask. 
I guess that's a lawful order. She refused to get the vaccine, which is now FDA approved. One of them is, and it's mandated that she has to get it. She served at Cherry Point, North Carolina. She went viral on social media after appearing in that video with Josh Mandel, a former Ohio State treasurer who's currently in, this, uh, in his second run for Senate. Um, the video in which he tells the story of being swiftly booted from the core has been viewed over 400,000 times. And an indoor mask mandate for unvaccinated troops was in effect at the time. She chose not to do it. Kicking her out in four days? That's insane. That's as fast of an out processing as I've ever heard of. So they were obviously not playing games with that. I'd say this was a clear case of her being made an example of, and you guys can think whatever you want about that, but that is 100% what I think is going on here. She was being made an example of. Is she the right Marine to kick out? I don't know. I don't actually know anything about her other than what her mom says. I don't know about her record in the Marine Corps, her impeccable record that her mom references. She says it was against her religion. I don't know how that plays out. They did not go into any specifics about it. It says here, she described the events leading to her separation from the Marine Corps as being triggered by a coughing fit. I went into my OIC's office to talk about something else, and I was coughing, and he asked me if I thought I had COVID. At that point, I told him I don't believe in the panic behind COVID, and I'm entirely fine. From that point, he kept pushing the COVID topic and told me when it was mandated he was going to push paperwork if I don't comply. That was exactly a month after the Pentagon issued an indoor mask mandate for unvaccinated troops on June 22nd. The policy has been updated to include all troops in parts of the country where the virus is spreading quickly. McAfee added a senior member of her chain of command, even called her mother, asking her to urge her daughter to fall in line with the rules. The next day, July 23rd, her chain of command issued a formal warning to McAfee that they would move ahead with the discharge, according to documents reviewed by military.com. Her commander said she willfully disobeyed two superior officers by refusing to wear a mask covering despite not meeting the requirements to be exempt. The officers who acted to remove her from the Marine Corps did not reply to multiple requests for comment from military.com when reached by text and phone calls. Less than a week later, on July 29th, she received a general discharge under honorable conditions, which is, you, that's still not what you want. You want an honorable discharge, no conditions. You're, anything else is not good. That's according to her DD-214. Richard Mast, an attorney with Liberty Council and an evangelical religious organization, told Military.com that the, spread, the speed of the discharge was shocking and that she barely had time to seek counsel. She could probably get this overturned, I bet, especially because the military is seeking to make it easier to overturn bad conduct or other than honorable discharges a discharge that's anything other than honorable. Six months after discharge, troops are allowed to appeal for an upgrade. Mast says he is seeking to have McAfee's discharge upgraded honorable. While her current discharge status entitles her to most of the benefits through the Department of VAs, she is not eligible for the post-9-11 GI Bill. And that could be because of time and service, which is, that's heartbreaking. That's a big one. That is a big one. You need that post-9-11 GI Bill. That entitles you to not only a free college education, but BAH for every month that you're enrolled in school for at least three years. And that's just before you even start with other grants and benefits and applying for scholarships and stuff like that. So sketch, definitely sketch, not good. I'd love to hear what you guys think about that, but was she right or wrong? I think she was probably wrong. I think she's probably going to live to regret this. I think the Marine Corps probably rushed her out too, did not give her a fair shot at defending her position. She claims it's for religious reasons. Um, that's tough to prove one way or the other, I guess, is what I've heard, is what I've read, is what we've talked about on the show. If she, if she, what, what, they, what we said when we covered the story in the past, as far as the religious exemption goes, is that if you have accepted other vaccines and medical treatments in the past, 
the Marine Corps or the military was not going to just accept that all of a sudden you have religious problems with getting the COVID vaccine when you never expressed problems in the past. Also, she said she she told her officer in charge that she doesn't agree with the COVID hype. And so that's going to work against her as well. So she probably didn't have a very strong case in her defense, but that's just crazy. Love to hear what you guys think in the comments down below. I'm more on the side of Marine Corps, but I can't believe they rushed around in four days. That's insane. With a general discharge under honorable conditions, she's going to be a little bit screwed over unless she gets that upgraded. So sorry for her and her mom, retired Navy, sounds like. Um, Looks like they're going to be going through it now. So yeah, love to hear your thoughts. Let me know. Larry says, did anybody see the guns on that chick? Chaotix, what's up? I see people using the mask vaccine mandate as a way to game the system to end their enlistment early. Yeah, for sure. We supported and armed the Mujahideen and emboldened them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not wrong, but it still doesn't exonerate them from any blame. Does anybody see the guns on that chick? Yep, totally. She was ripped. Marines, hella hot. Uh, shame still, I don't trust anti-max and vaccine. Don't you got to go through taps? That's more than four days. Yeah, Justin, I don't know about that. I don't know what they can do if they are out processing, processing somebody. Um, four days, how does anything in the military move that fast? Yeah, maybe if the military could uh, support troops with that kind of expeditiousness, they wouldn't have to penalize them for the same uh, <laughs> that fast, you know? It goes to show you where the priorities are at. If you're a superior, say you have to use masks and get vaccinated, that's what you have to do. Hey, Scuttlebutt, do you think if the United States let the Soviet Union defeat the Muj, we could have prevented the birth of Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and ISIS? Uh, no, I don't. I definitely don't because you're talking about Al-Qaeda was in Iraq, ISIS in Iraq. You would just have different groups. Uh, and also that's an insane thing to speculate on. But the answer, short answer is no. What happened to responsibilities that freedoms incur? I'm out. God bless you all. Buford, have a good night. Marines, listen to that all lawful order. She wasn't following orders. What do you expect would happen? Play games, win prizes, mud rock. Totally. She is wrong and she will regret this. I saw guys getting the big boot, but it looks, it took a while to process them out. I agree with Mudrock here too, yeah. This virus is spreading like wildfire, yet people don't want to use a mask to be vaccinated. F the mask. I'd quit too if they try to make me wear a muscle. Yeah, I, I don't agree. I wouldn't. Like I've said in the past, I, would, I wish more people were willing to wear a mask anytime they got sick because I just don't like getting sick. That's, that's especially true now. I, I think, uh, yeah. I think it'd be great if every time anyone got sick, they would just stay away from me and wear a mask because that would be a polite thing to do. So that way I just never got sick and I would do, and I would return the favor. It would just be great. Afghanistan maybe don't like communism. Am I right, Max? Afghanistan doesn't know what communism is, Ed. So you don't have to worry about that. One more story for you guys today and we'll be moving on. Uh, We'll see about gaming today. That's up in the air. That is up in the air right now. If we're going to be able to get on some games today. But here's this last story of today. U.S. war veteran wins Paralympic road cycling gold at Speedway near Mount Fuji. So bravo Zulu to another American veteran champion at the Paralympics. A former U.S. Army officer who served in Iraq and Afghanistan won Paralympic cycling gold Tuesday on a track that usually hosts motorsports. On the first morning of road cycling at the Games, Sean Morelli finished first in a women's C4 time trial with 39-33-79 for several circuits of an unundulating course of just over eight miles that starts and finishes on a track that has hosted the Japanese Grand Prix Formula One races. Morelli, who competes 
in a class for people with lower limb impairments had already won Paralympic cycling gold twice at Rio in 2016. Last week, Izu at Izu Velodrome in Shizuka Prefecture near Tokyo, she took home silver on the first day of track cycling at the individual pursuit. That didn't seem to dis- distract detract her from effort at the Speedway where she looked like she left it all on the course. I'm glad I could perform, she told Stars and Stripes after finishing. During the time trial, Morelli was focused on her race plan and staying where I needed to be. She says, the Speedway course included a final straight past a massive grandstand and pit row. I'm not super technical, but it had enough hills and I was able to hold my own. Morelli declined to talk about her injuries. They include neck and nerve damage and loss of vision in her left eye. Her biography says she was commissioned as an engineer in 1996 and served in Iraq and Afghanistan before being injured in 2007 and started cycling in 2010. She's 44 years old from Sagertown, Pennsylvania. And for the U.S. troops stationed in Japan, she said, you can do anything if you want. You can do anything you want if you put your mind to it. It takes a little bit of self-discipline, sacrifice, and some courage. And there were five other veterans in the road races out there. So shout out to her and that message from the Paralympics that you can't let anything stop you. You can't let anything stand in your way. Any roadblocks, anything you got going on. It's a message that really resonates with me, um, especially uh that you just have to keep pressing on. Don't let anything stop you and use that veteran will, those lessons learned from the military to keep pursuing greatness and let people like that eliminate your excuses for you. If the, if the Paralympic athletes, veterans, wounded veterans, blind, loss of limbs, you know, you name it, nerve damage, paralysis are out there competing, moving on with their lives, continuing their mission forward, then you can do it too. Okay, you can do it too. And I tell myself that all the time. I'm always reminding myself, it's how dare, I always tell you guys, right? How dare I complain? How dare I slow down? How dare I do that? When there's people out there like Sean Morelli and all the other Paralympic athletes and great veterans that we talk about, Dash, who was our guest on the show last week, and all these other people who are doing great things, regardless of what happens to them, how dare I or anyone else who is able-bodied, who's cruising through life, easy compared to what some other people are going through, complain about our circumstances and let it stop us. That's not the veteran way. That's not the military way. So just find motivation. Those Paralympics are just an incredible place to do it. Let's see. Owned, what's up? I've heard of anti-mask and vaccine people get COVID. I feel bad for the girl, by the way, Scuttlebutt. I feel bad for her too. I do feel bad for her. She got totally screwed over by the Marine Corps. Denmark is going back to normal 100% in a couple weeks. They ripped the Band-Aid off hard at the beginning, and they're reaping the benefits of it now. True icosahedron. When masks and the vaccine were politicized for a year, you knew there were going to be consequences. I feel bad for the young Marine, but but what did she think was going to happen? Yeah, that's a great question. She knew it was going to happen. She chose to make her stand there. That Marine chose to make that stand, and she paid the price. If these athletes can compete then you got no more excuse not to get to the gym. Dash is the man, Justin says. All right, guys, we're about to wrap up today's episode. But like I said, there's one more announcement. So if you've been sticking around for that other announcement, I actually wasn't going to do this today, but Justin inspired me to. So we're going to go ahead and do this now. The announcement is, and I, I do this, oh, my heart's racing right now. My heart is racing. Um, Harry Lime Pie, $5 super chat. Keep it up. Okay, that's the motivation I needed right there. That's the motivation I needed to make this announcement. We have a big announcement, you guys. <clears throat> I have a big announcement for you, and I'm really nervous. This is really, really, really nerve-wracking to do. Um, hey, Bill, what's up? Thanks for stopping by. Bill Dudlasek. 
Um, actually, good, Bill, I'm glad you're here. Uh, you'll be interested to hear this. Midnight Chow. Make sure you guys are subscribed to Midnight Chow and listening to uh, his podcast over there about Afghanistan. Masks and the so-called vaccine just make your immune system weak. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know. I just don't know about that. You know, it's definitely not. I'm not even going to get into it. Okay, so here's the announcement. I am almost done writing a book. I've been working on it for the past month, and, uh, and it's almost complete. I've, I'm almost done with the first draft of a book that I am really excited to bring you guys, and it's all about my deployment in 2009 doing detainee ops. So I'm writing a book. It's going to be a process to get this thing published. It's going to have to go through um, the process of getting cleared by the Pentagon for security stuff, but it's almost ready. The first draft is almost done. Um, tomorrow's episode, I'm going to spend doing, uh, I'm going to be writing. Tomorrow's episode, I'm going to spend writing and we'll live stream me writing it. Uh, and you guys can ask me questions about it and what it's going to be about and all that stuff. So I'm just going to spend an hour tomorrow working on the book. Uh, it's almost done. It's almost done. So when it's ready, it's still going to be a few months till it's ready, but I'm working on it every day. And I'm so excited to bring it to you guys. As the, the longest part is going to be getting it cleared by the Pentagon, which is a mandatory step in the process. It says it takes anywhere from a couple weeks to a couple months to get that done. So the sooner I can get it submitted, the better. But that's happening. And I'm so excited. I'm inspired by you guys. Um, it's a book that I feel like I've been writing in my head for a decade. And then I finally put pen to paper, so to speak. So um, so that's coming. That's a thing. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just super stoked um, to announce that to you guys. I didn't want to say it until it was looking like it was going to be almost done. And I've written a um, well over 90% of it. MC, a 499 super chat. Thank you so much. I've, I've written well over 90% of it. And I do have a plan for patrons, uh, to get a, to get patrons a copy first. So if you guys have been thinking about joining Patreon, um, and you want to support the channel, that's one more reason to, because I do plan on getting it out to the patrons first and maybe some of the members as well, maybe uh shellback level members as well, get everyone who a copy of it. So, um, I can't wait. I can't wait. So, yeah, most of what we did and saw is all over the internet. Bill was on that deployment with me. Bill, uh, you're right. Most of it is all over the internet, but it's still a process that I have to go through um, to get that to get that warm and fuzzy that I can feel clear to do that. MC and Harry Lime Pie, thank you for the super chats. You inspire me every day. Um, I told you to write a book. I'm buying. That's right. So I'm doing it. So bear with me tomorrow. We're going to do a live stream just like we normally do, but I'm going to be writing and taking questions. So I'm excited for that. And I look forward to talking to you guys all very soon. Very, very soon. Um, have a great day. It is what Tuesday in the United States is it Wednesday here. Like I said, I've been in quarantine. So I literally have totally lost track time and days mean nothing to me anymore, but quarantine is over doing better, feeling better back out in the world, doing stuff. I'm excited. Um, what's the name? It doesn't have a name yet. It's unnamed still pending a name. So that's a big part of it. I did make a, uh, I did make a, a working cover so I could put it up on the screen when I'm typing to motivate me, but all that and more is coming. We can talk about a title tomorrow. Maybe you guys can help me come up with a title. Maybe I'll crowdsource the title. What do you guys think? Come up with some ideas. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I had a great time. I can't wait to bring you guys another episode tomorrow and continue in making the Scuttlebutt Show the greatest military YouTube program on the internet, as well as 
congratulations to all of us on hitting 6,000 subscribers. Um, that's incredible. On our way to 10,000 this year. I'm super stoked on that. It's just beyond belief. Check out the new video I posted this morning about Stuart Scheller. Share the video, share the channel, all that stuff. You guys already know the deal. And with all that being said, I'll talk to you very soon. And for now, that's the scuttlebutt.